saving my soul. Sorry. Well, good morning. Good morning. We're glad you're here this morning. I want to join with everybody else in welcoming you and tell you how glad we are that you're here. A um, lot of awesome things happening uh, today. Um, our college kids are back, and uh, I'm sorry, y'all. I know you're young adults, but when you're my age, everybody's a kid. Yeah, we're, we missed you guys, so we're glad you're back. And uh, um, so they're here, and uh, I don't know if you realized it, but we a lot of you are here because we're having a potluck afterwards, and some of you are just so desperate for a potluck that uh, you showed up anyway. Some of you know that we're having this potluck to say farewell to the, the Taylors, um, and and that's that's heavy on a lot of hearts, but uh, some of you are like, man, I've been waiting for that for years. So um, seriously, though, whether you know the Taylors or not, if you know the Taylors, you know they don't care if you stay, and uh, if you don't, that they don't care if you stay. And so, uh, just just make plans to come and join us for that, and uh, and be a part of that. Um, we started some new classes this morning, and I want to mention that real quick before we get started, because some of you, if you don't come to Sunday school, you missed out on that, that we're starting two new classes, one at each end of the building, that's not because they're going to fight, but we have... Uh, John Portwood teaching one, and Larry Wells teaching the other. Is that correct? Where, where's my people? Um, and, and they're both studying the same thing. They're both studying Romans 13. And if you don't have it memorized yet, Romans 13 is, is, starts off talking about politics and authority and how a Christian relates to an ungodly world. Now, that to me sounds like a very uh, appropriate class for the world we live in right now. So, I say all that to say, if you don't normally come to class, this might be a good time to start because I think those are going to be really great. So, one more thing and then I'll, I'll get moving, but this is our last week of our, of our new year, beginning of the year uh, series. Then we're going to start into a new lesson series I'm really excited about. Um, day 41 is what we're calling it. And the idea is that, that in the Bible, uh, times of struggle, times of trial, times of wilderness are 40 days. Uh, 40 days uh, was Noah in the ark. 40 years were the uh, Israelites wandering in the wilderness. Um, 40 days did uh, Goliath uh, hurl insults at the Israelites before David showed up. 40 days was Jesus in the wilderness being tempted. And, and in all those, the, the time when you start moving on, the time when you, you see the light at the end of the tunnel, that's what we're using, and we're calling that day 41, when we start moving on. And if that's not appropriate for a lot of us right now, this, these last couple of years, you, you, dealt with, uh, you dealt with the pandemic, you dealt with quarantine, you, some of you, uh, most of us dealt with some form of loss, and uh, that we're all at a place where we're ready to move on. And so this one I'm really excited about. This is one of the most accessible series we've done in a long time. So I say that to say, invite your friends. Invite people to come, uh, whether online or in person, and uh, catch up with us on that. Um, so this morning, we want, to talk about, uh, we want to talk about the new year and the new start and where we're going. Um, the long time ago, there was a time when Spain possessed the territory on both sides of the Straits of Gibraltar. And that was, uh, that was where the, 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 the world ended in their minds. Um, the, the coins that they had made were stamped uh, 
with, uh, with, with, with the words, no more beyond on the scroll. Because they believed that that straight was where the world ended. And, and when you got there, there was nothing else. Well, eventually, the new world, of course, was discovered, and they realized that the world was a lot bigger than they thought. So they changed the coins, and now they read more beyond. This morning, that's what I want us to talk about. I want us to talk about, in terms of moving into a new year, moving into our future, more beyond. Last week, I told you we were going to talk about ideas. I told you we were going to talk about visions for the future. We were going to talk about ideas for the church and moving forward and where we're going from here and and no longer sitting around waiting on normal. And, And that's what we mean by more beyond. In that discussion this morning, I want to look at the book of Ezekiel. Um... Now, I shared some of this once before with you, and you've heard some of this once before, but it's a good place to start as we talk about direction, vision, and moving forward. Now, Ezekiel's kind of strange. If you're not familiar with Ezekiel, Ezekiel is a strange place to start. It's one of those books that doesn't get a whole lot of traffic. You won't hear a whole lot of Ezekiel sermons, and for good reason. Truthfully, there are... There, there, there are a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people that, that even commentators skip over Ezekiel because it's a little bit confusing. It's a little bit hard to understand. There are even, in fact, there are some orthodox traditions that, that say that, uh, both Jewish and Christian orthodox traditions, that say that, that you can't read Ezekiel until you're over 30 because it's too damaging for young minds, Right? Y'all are all going to go read it tonight, aren't you? Um, but, but they believe that they're not supposed to because it's too confusing. Ezekiel now is a guy, he's from Jerusalem. Actually, a small village outside of Jerusalem. But, but he's from Jerusalem. And it's also the same place where Jeremiah is, is from. They're contemporaries together. Um, and, and Jeremiah's in Jerusalem. Ezekiel is actually part of the exiles who've been carried into captivity in Babylon. And, and they have very different styles. It's like God said that uh, we're, we're going to put Da Vinci over here in Jerusalem, but these people over here in Babylon, they need some Picasso. And that's, that's Ezekiel. Ezekiel's more, he's more outside the box. Um, and, and that's what Ezekiel gives them. He, uh, he preaches like they've never been preached to before. Um, he preaches by, by cutting a hole in the side of his house. He preaches by doing object lessons, using things taken from his body. You really want to read it now, don't you? He, 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 and and, and people, people are, are captivated by Ezekiel's preaching because it's so outside of any box they've ever seen. Eventually, Ezekiel has what, what we call a visitation. Um, there's smoke, and there's, there's boiling uh, uh, in the atmosphere, and, and there's, there's, he's standing by a river that is, is basically a drainage ditch more than a river. It's, it's like the kind of river you would never swim in. It's where all the refuse and everything went. And, and, and so he's in this, this horrible place, one of those places that's, that's used for, for uh, a lot of things other than just water and cleaning. And, and as this boiling atmosphere comes, 
comes rolling in, Ezekiel begins to see these incredible things. He sees these giant wheels that are, that are there, and, and, and he sees the, the, the sky turning, and, and, and there's the smell of burning, and, and, and there's colors blending, and crystals spinning in lights, and humanoid shapes, and, and it's all really crazy. And he sees creatures, which if you read about these creatures, they boggle our minds here 2,000 years later. But but finally, he realizes that these are the heralds. These are the footmen. This is the landing party for the God of Israel. That, that God is coming to Babylon. And that's a big deal because nobody expects that. God is the God of Israel. He is the God of Jerusalem. He is the God of the promised land. They don't expect him to show up here in Babylon. And so... It's, it's way outside the box. Let me stop and just say for a minute that if you have your God all figured out, if he's always predictable and always does what you expect him to do, he's not the God of the Bible. Because God never does what he's supposed to do. And, and all the Israelites believed that God was at the temple way far away. He was in Jerusalem. He was somewhere else. And he could never come to Babylon. And here he comes. And, and Ezekiel sees that, that outside of the box, here comes this, uh, this idea that's, that's outside of anything that they ever expected. So God shows up, and, and he starts to tell Ezekiel the things that he's going to do. There's going to be a new creation. There's going to be a new people. There's going to be, uh, he, he's, he's going to cleanse all the people. And he's saying this right as they're standing next to this filthy drainage ditch thing. But it's going to be cleansed. It's going to be pure. It's going to be clean. And, and I'm going to do all these things and it's going to be great. And Ezekiel says, I don't know if I can believe that. Because in his mind, in his setting, in his environment, in his experience, these things are impossible. But just like Ezekiel... God wants us to believe impossible things. God wants us to believe in things that our experience, our minds, our, our brains, our environment tell us are not possible. Now, some of you know that I'm, I'm a bit of a Star Wars nerd. One of my favorite movies is Star Wars. And of course, like any true good Star Wars nerd, my favorite movie is Empire. And if you, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong, and that's okay. Um, but the, uh, in Empire Strikes Back, Luke goes to get some training, and, and he's with the, the Jedi Master Yoda. And you remember this story, uh, this scene, as they're sitting there, and, and Luke is trying to lift his spaceship out of the swamp. And he keeps trying, he keeps trying, he can't do it, and he just says it's impossible, and he gives up. And then little bitty Yoda walks over there, and he just does this little thing, and it starts to come out of the, the, the swamp, and he moves it over, and it lands over here. And, and Yoda and Luke goes, I, 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 don't, I don't believe it. And Yoda says, that's why you fail. Because just like Yoda, just like Ezekiel, we have to believe in impossible things. This is the interaction between God and Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37, if you have your Bibles. Ezekiel chapter 37. God takes Ezekiel into a valley. And in this valley are the dead remains of thousands of soldiers. Dry, brittle bones, skeletons. And Ezekiel chapter 37, starting at verse 1. 
the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, God, you know. So God walks Ezekiel through this valley through this valley of all these bones that are laying on the ground. And, 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 and he says to him, son, son of man, by the way, son of man doesn't mean anything. It's just like, hey, dude. It's, like, it's just, a, it's just a, a reference. And he says, he says, okay, man, look at these bones. Do you think these bones can live? And, and Ezekiel answers like any guy who's truly ans- answering a, a, a no-win question. He doesn't want to say what he really thinks. Because it's God that he's talking to. But, but Ezekiel ain't never seen no skeleton get up and walk. And so he says, you know, Lord, which is a cop-out, delicate way of saying, no, I don't think this could happen, but I ain't telling God that. But he doesn't because we wouldn't either. He looks at these bones and he's like, no, this stuff ain't going to happen. This is impossible. And we do the same things. We do the same things today. We, we say, Lord, be with so-and-so who's sick and bless the hands of those that minister to them. Now, that's a sweet-sounding prayer, but it's weak. Because we serve a God who created that body, who can wipe away whatever that illness is with, with the, a word. We serve a God who created universes by speaking a word, but we're afraid to ask for healing because it's impossible. Or we talk about uh, things we're going to do in the, in, the, in the church. We talk about uh, we're going we're to go forward, we're going to do this or that. Well, you know, we tried that in 1987 and it didn't work because it's impossible. Ezekiel believes with his eyes and his experience. And we also believe with our eyes and our experience. We look at whatever it is, whatever the, the next variant outbreak is that's coming through, and we think maybe we, need to, maybe we need to hold up. Maybe we need to hold back. Maybe we need to wait on things to get back to normal. Well, there's all these things that, that, that we're looking at, and they're not going to wait on normal. This morning, I, I'm challenging us to believe impossible things and to step out in faith in a whole different direction. Because God wants us to believe in impossible things. But, but our experience and, and our eyes, and it tells us these things aren't going to happen. When I talk about uh, building the, the Mark and Delanese Taylor Memorial Family Life Center, yeah, I'm not killing you yet, Mark. I'm just, but, but, but when I talk about that, people go, oh, well, we can't do that. We can't do that because that costs money. We don't. We, we're just. We're just. We're not sure that we can do that. Or, or we we talk about this project or that project, and we can't do that. And we can't because of this thing. And we can't because of that thing. And meanwhile, God wants us to believe in impossible things. Verse four. Then he said to me, "Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord." Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinners upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. 
So God tells Ezekiel, preach to the bones. Preach to the dead bones. By the way, prophecy in Scripture very rarely means fortune-telling. That's gotten messed up. Prophecy usually means preaching. It doesn't mean predicting the future or all that stuff. Sometimes it does, but very rarely. Most of the time, prophesy means preach. And so he tells Ezekiel, preach to the bones. Now, there are lots of preachers who have this chapter on their mirror at home because they feel like they're doing that every Sunday. Not me. I love you guys, and you guys are always paying attention and and ready to roll. But he tells Ezekiel, preach to the bones. And Ezekiel does it because, again, you're not going to tell God no. He's like, I'm preaching to the bones. I don't really think anything's going to happen here. But I'm going to preach to the bones because God told me to, and I'm not going to tell God no. So he gets up and he preaches his sermon just like God told him to. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews upon them, and then flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on those slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Ezekiel preaches to the bones. And, and, and get this picture, because he's standing there, and he's just preaching because that's what he was told to do, but his heart really ain't in it until all of a sudden there starts to be this rumbling. There starts to be this sound, and bone starts connecting to bone right before him. And they start growing muscle, and they start growing tissue, and they start growing skin. And if you are Ezekiel right now, I am straight freaked out. Because all this stuff's happening right in front of me. And, 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 and okay, I'm, I'm here, God, in verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Luke says, I don't believe it. And Yoda says, that's why you fail. God says to Ezekiel and to us, I am the God of impossible things. Stop seeing with your eyes and start start seeing with with godly eyes. Stop depending on your own experience and your own wisdom and, and look to God. And this morning, I want us to believe impossible things. I want us to believe that that there are things coming that we never have imagined. I want you to pray for three services in this auditorium because that's the only way we can fit everybody in. Now, I don't care about the numbers. It's not about numbers. It's about if you look at the demographics, there there is between, depending on which number you read, 60 and 70% of Huntsville are not in church this morning. That's a lot. And not because they're watching online, but because they have no Christian affiliation whatsoever. That's something we should be doing something about. We should be preaching. 
We should be inviting people. And I would like to see the Spirit move in such a way that this place is packed to the gills. And we have to tear down walls and, and, and add more services. I, I'm serious about, I want us to pray for a family life center. Not because we want a gym. I don't care about a gym. I care about a place that is active and alive all the time. I, I want to see the, the conference rooms used for meetings with every group in the community. I want to see all kind of sports teams using that facility. I, I, I want to see us have a, a, a counseling center in that facility that provides counseling services, mental health services to people throughout Huntsville who are struggling with that. I want a, I want a benevolence ministry. I would like for us to start a revolutionary benevolence ministry. Because right now, Christian benevolence is somebody comes to us and they tell us their story and we give them money and they go back and in a couple of months, they're back telling us the same story again. I, I want us to find ways to break the cycle. I want us to find ways to, to bring people in and teach them money management and teach them how to hold a job and teach them, give them not only the, the hard skills they need but the soft skills, get them the, the counseling they need both, both financially and, and mental health counseling and help people to break the cycle of poverty that's kept them in prison for so long. I want to believe in impossible things. I want more missionaries supported. I want us supporting not just a few, but, but more and more, but, but not just sending checks off to people that we don't know. I want us, people from our congregation, going on mission trips and connecting with people and, and reaching out to spread the gospel in all kind of new and different ways that we've never imagined. But it starts with prayer, and it starts with believing that God can do impossible things and then praying for impossible things. This is not something that God's forgotten about. This is not just Ezekiel and some dry bones. This is part of the New Testament church. We, as churches of Christ, profess to be people that want to restore the New Testament church. We are a restoration movement. The, the New Testament church in Acts 2, what does Peter preach in Acts 2? In Acts 2, verse 14, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. I love that because Peter thinks you can't, you know, he lives in Texas. You can't buy beer before 9 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will what? Prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Peter stands up and says, folks, this is what God's been telling you about for a long time. This is about believing impossible things. This is a new creation. This is a time to dream again. See, this church was once a church of dreams. You've told me the stories. I've heard the stories from many of you. When, when you were downtown and, and your numbers were growing and you were too much for the facility you were and you had a dream of, of this right here. And so you went to work and you made that dream a reality. And somewhere along the line we quit because we're done. My challenge this morning is not just to believe in impossible things, not just to pray for impossible things, but let's dare to dream again. Let's be brave enough to ask God for impossible things. 
let's be brave enough to dream again about what God could do if we really set him loose. T.E. Lawrence once said, All men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their mind wake up to the day to find it was all vanity. But the dreamers of the day, they're dangerous men. For the many act out their dreams with open eyes to make it possible. When we start dreaming, when we start believing, when we start trusting in the vision of God, that's when we're dangerous. This morning, that's our call, to dream again, to believe in impossible things. To believe that our God is the God of impossible things. Who's going to do things more than we could ever ask or imagine. Who has plans for us, for this congregation, for this community that we don't even realize. Let's step out in faith. Let's dream again. Let's get to work to make a kingdom difference in our community. Our God is a God of impossible things. Our God is a God of impossible dreams. And we're going to dream again. This morning... Many of you are in a place where you feel like your spiritual life is impossible. You know, you've been struggling, you've been holding it in, and and, and you've been doing the whole fake it till you make it thing, and and it's not working. And you feel like, well, I've given it everything I have, but it's just impossible. It's not impossible. Our God is the God of impossible things. We don't have any power here, but we know the one who does. And you've heard me say it a hundred times, prayer is the work of the church, and that's what we want to be about. We're going to sing a song right now, and and that is an opportunity for you to come forward and allow us to pray with you. Allow us to lift you up. Not because we're more holy than you are or anybody's better than you are. but, But the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And if you want to get out of that, if you need to reach for the impossible things... You, you need more than just you seeking God. God is the God of impossible things, and we can reach that. We can tap into that power through prayer. If we can help you, if you haven't become a Christian, we would love to help you with that. Whatever we can do for you, that's what we're going to do. And so if, if, you are, uh, 